When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello there, listeners, and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you're listening to episode 337 of Sustainable Minimalists, a twice-weekly show about intentional and eco-minimalist living. On today's show, I am answering a listener's question about minimalist screen time and slow television for children. And how timely of me, because a recent study by the Pew Research Center found that over 70% of parents are concerned that their children spend too much time on screens. Before we get started today, I would love it, I would so love it if you asked yourself, What is your home's culture when it comes to screen time? And there's no wrong answer, by the way. There's no judgment. There's no parent shaming going on here. I do want you to really think about the place, the importance of screens in your home, because in my home, at least, screen time is often unintentional. It's reactionary. Putting on the TV for my kids is generally a reaction to my overwhelm. So when I am feeling stressed, I put the TV on. (laughs) It's kind of like a parent helper in some ways. And that is not the way I should be doing things, especially after researching for this episode, I see the error in my ways. However, this show is about intentionality. It's about doing things on purpose. And so if you're like me and you've been doing what you've always done when it comes to screens, let's first get your baseline. Are you a leave the TV on for background noise type of household? Are you a screen time only on weekends type of family? Or do you fall somewhere in the middle of those, I would say, extremes? So think about it. Come up with your answer while I tell you a very quick story. A few months back, my husband was feeling quite nostalgic, and he put on an old Donald Duck cartoon from the 1940s. I was not excited about it, but I humored him. I did not expect my daughters to be excited about it. (laughs) The pace of the show was much slower. There were fewer screen changes. There wasn't much dialogue. Everything about it was much more relaxed than 2023 television. And so I did indeed have minimal hopes that this cartoon viewing would be successful, but I was proven wrong. My children did enjoy it. And I learned one essential thing from watching this 1940s cartoon. Television has changed. It has changed drastically. And I know you're probably thinking to yourself, duh, Stephanie, where have you been? (laughs) 
But my point is we have transitioned over the decades from slower-paced entertainment to fast-paced entertainment. What do I mean by this? I mean that in 2023, television has many more screen shifts. What's a screen shift? A screen shift is when the screen changes to a different shot or angle. So if you're a 1980s child like me and you grew up watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, Put yourself back there for a minute. There was one shot, Mr. Rogers sitting in front of the camera, putting on his shoes, right? Slower paced. So a show like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, there were not many screen shifts at all. But think about now a 2023 show. Perhaps let's take SpongeBob as an example. SpongeBob SquarePants can have up to 10 screen shifts in just 20 seconds. Now, why are we counting screen shifts? What's the point? Research has found that just 3.5 minutes of fast-paced screen shift television negatively impacts our children's ability to perform well on a test of continuous attention. In one specific study, children were randomly assigned. So some children were put in the fast-paced TV group and others were put in the slow-paced TV group. Guess what they found? They found that the kids in the fast-paced group performed worse on an attention test. And countless studies have replicated these findings. A 2011 study found that four-year-olds who watched fast-paced television cartoons for just nine minutes performed significantly worse on executive function tasks than children who watched slow-paced or no TV. So how much screen time should our kids be getting? How much should they be getting? Not how much they're getting. How much should they be getting according to people much smarter than me? Well, the National Institute of Health recommends that screen time should be limited to just one to two hours a day for children over the age of two. Children under the age of two, it's not even recommended that they have screen time at all. For children ages two to five, children should be watching a maximum of one hour per day with an adult co-watching to ensure that the content is appropriate. Okay, so that's what they should be getting. But how much screen time are American children actually getting? When it comes to determining this number, independent studies consistently find the same thing. They come to the same results. And that is that on average, children in the United States spend between five and seven hours on screen time. Screen time, of course, meaning watching TV, playing video games, using a tablet, looking at their phone every single day. So five to seven hours of screen time a day. A 2019 study found very similar averages, but did find slight differences with regard to the age of the children. Children ages 8 to 12 in the U.S. use screens for entertainment for just under five hours a day, whereas older children, teenagers 13 to 18 years old, use screens for seven hours and 22 minutes a day. Now, if you're saying to yourself, oh, but that includes school, right? They're on screens at school because... Screens are such an important part of the learning process. That would be an incorrect assumption. These numbers do not account for screen time used for schoolwork or for homework. All right, so television has changed from slow pace to fast pace. We know what amount of screen time kids should be getting, and we know how much they're actually getting. What are the problems associated with too much screen time? 
Well, I have four of them for you. The first problem associated with too much screen time is one I have already alluded to, and that is excess screen time has a negative impact on school performance. A 2019 study in JAMA Pediatrics did a meta-analysis of 58 other studies and found an inverse relationship between television and video game use and academic performance in both young children and adolescents. So what does that all mean? That means the more television and video game use, the lower the academic performance. With regard to preschoolers in particular, another 2019 study found that compared to preschoolers who had less than 30 minutes a day of screen time, preschoolers who had more than two hours a day of screen time had a seven-fold increase in meeting the criteria for ADHD. The researchers here concluded that increased screen time in preschoolers leads to an increase in inattention problems. Wow, that's scary. Issue number one with too much screen time is a negative impact on school performance. Issue number two is inactivity, right? The CDC, the Center for Disease Control, recommends that children get at least 60 minutes of physical activity each day. But screen time by nature is a sedentary activity. And that sedentary activity is getting in the way of children being physically active. A 2017 study found that reducing screen time is also shown in reducing weight gain in children. So that's inactivity. Moving on to potential problem number three with regard to excessive screen time is sleep issues on our children. Screen time, we know that excess screens and especially screens before bed for adults can negatively impact our sleep, right? Well, it's the same with children. Screen time can lead to a reduction in the amount or the quality of children's sleep, especially if it's viewed before bed. Taking this a step further, when screens are allowed in children's rooms, like a phone or a tablet in a bedroom, that is associated with less overall sleep per night. And even an infant's sleep is negatively impacted when they view screens in the evening. So infants who are exposed to screens after 7 o'clock at night at both ages 6 months and at 12 months, they sleep less than those who do not have screen time in the evening. I should here say here too, this is just, this is not research-based. This is just a little Stephanie anecdote. And that's that when my children watch television, like let's say we have a movie night on a Friday or Saturday night as a family and then they go to bed. So movie night, and then I put them straight to bed. Almost always, without fail, even if the movie we're watching is not scary, one or both of my children will wake up multiple times during the night saying they had nightmares. I don't know why this is. We don't put on super scary stuff. But something about the television viewing before bed leads to bad dreams. They wake my husband and I up and then everybody has a bad night's sleep and we curse ourselves and say no more movie nights, but then we go ahead and do it the following weekend. So that's potential issue number three, that's sleep issues. And then finally, for the purposes of this show, I really wanted to cover potential problem with excessive screen time number four, which of course is increased exposure to ads. 
as a sustainable minimalist community, we want our kids to focus less on the consumption of stuff. We want them to desire less, right? We want them to desire the right things as opposed to the perhaps wrong things, the toys, the the junk, right? So if we want our kids to focus less on the consumption of stuff, it's wise for us then to limit the amount of highly engaging advertisements they see via commercials, targeted ads on social media, influencer marketing, etc. Because reduced screen time does result in reduced ad exposure. It has long been documented in the research that kids are extremely susceptible to advertising and not just for toys. Preschool children consistently demonstrate preferences for foods they see in ads, dunkaroos. <laughs> when I was a kid, it was fruit roll-ups, right? They see an ad, it's highly engaging. They demonstrate a preference for those foods. We're not ta- just talking about food. We're, of course, talking about toys. I mentioned before, last year, my family went on vacation and there was conventional TV, so not Netflix, TV with commercials we put on. I guess it was probably Nickelodeon for my children to watch. And they were bombarded with two ad breaks, a show. And my kids were more interested in the ads, in the commercials, than the show. They both started lists of all the toys that they wanted that they heard about through these ads which was just crazy to me. My daughter, my five-year-old, wanted this very strange unicorn purse with that like turns on and like the eyes pop open and it says weird things. Complete junk. And she never would have even known that this weird unicorn purse existed had she not seen the advertisement. And in preparing for this episode, I came across this amazing research study that the psychologist lover in me just like globbed onto. It was published in JAMA, the Journal of the American Medical Association. And in the study, researchers took 386 third grade children and exposed them to advertisements, commercials. And they found that, of course, the third graders demonstrated preferences for what they saw in the advertisements immediately after viewing. But not only that, they also continued to demonstrate a preference for what they saw in those commercials seven months later and up to 20 months later. Crazy, right? So reduced screen time means reduced ad exposure. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, I'm going to offer up some beginner, some intermediate, and some advanced tips based in research for you and I to help reduce screen time in our homes. We'll get there after a quick word from our sponsors. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, Home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection 
They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love. Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. And we are back before the break. We were discussing the fact that TV's changed. We've also discussed the potential problems associated with excessive screen time in our homes, especially on our children. And now we're on to the part in today's conversation where I'm offering up some practical tips for you and for me to reduce the emphasis on screens in our home. And so if you remember back at the beginning of this episode, I asked you to determine what role screens play in your home and your children's lives. And that's important as we go into today's tips and tricks for reducing screen time. So if you're a listener who says that screen time plays a gigantic role in your home, I would suggest you start with the beginner steps that I'm offering up today. If perhaps screen time isn't like a major focus in your home, but you want to reduce, try the intermediate steps and perhaps even the advanced steps. And so for everybody, wherever you fall on the screen time spectrum, it's important to remember that kids are going to reach for screens unless we, the parents, set screen limits. It's just the way it goes. Kids are going to reach for junk food unless we put food limits on on them, right? Same with screens. Most kids do not have the maturity or the executive functioning skills to make the right choices for themselves, the right long-term choices. So it's on us as parents to set limits. And I should say here too that if you have no idea how much screen time your kids get, I would highly suggest you first measure your baseline. So you won't be able to accurately reduce screen time in your home if you don't know how much screen time you're using to begin with, right? So if you're thinking to yourself, you're listening, you might be a little concerned. <laughs> I was concerned when I was researching this episode, I'll be completely honest. Um, it was a another come to Jesus moment for me and my parenting. But if you're concerned, I suggest before you do anything, just take a week and jot down 
how much TV your kids watch on Monday, how much video game or tablet use they have, et cetera, and get a baseline. A baseline is not going to hurt anybody. When you have a baseline, you can then seek to reduce that number, okay? So my beginner steps. This is the bare minimum guidelines for setting screen time limits according to the National Institute of Health, okay? So these are the bare minimums. Number one, remove the television, the computer, the tablet, the Nintendo Switch. Remove the screen from your children's bedroom. No screens in the bedroom. Number two, don't allow television watching during meals or homework. Number three, do not leave the television on for background noise. Don't leave the TV on for background noise. Uh, As a little aside here, my wonderful and amazing assistant, Rachel, she helped me prepare the research for this week's episode. And she made a note to me. She said that her husband and her, but specifically her husband, Patrick, hi, Patrick, grew up in a household where the TV was always just on for noise. Patrick thinks that the leaving on of the television led to attention issues for him in school later in life. So that's a handy dandy anecdote for you. Uh, Do not leave the television on for background noise if you can help it. Number four, avoid screens an hour before bed. Encourage your children to also use only one screen at a time. And then finally, this is so important, but it's so overlooked, I think. And that is to think long and hard before you grant another product with a screen admittance into your home. Really ask yourself, does your child actually need a Nintendo Switch? Does your child actually need a cell phone? Can you set an alert on your Google Calendar, let's say, to revisit the topic in six months, perhaps? Can you push that can down the line a little bit, down the road? Because once you give your child another screen, it's almost impossible to take it away. So those are my beginner steps. Get the screens out of the bedrooms. Don't allow TV for meals or during homework. Don't leave the TV on for background noise. Avoid screens before bed and think long and hard before granting another screen admittance into your home. Those are the beginner steps. Now we're moving on to the intermediate ones. And the intermediate steps, this is where I would say I personally fall. The intermediate steps are centered around finding creative ways to limit screen time. Maybe you only allow television viewing on the weekends. Doesn't that sound so practical? I love this. This is what I'm going to try and do in my household. I mean, if screens are necessary for schoolwork, homework, then that's obviously an exception. But actor Hugh Jackman, you know Hugh Jackman, Wolverine, right? He made headlines when he revealed that that's how he parents his children when at the time they were 11 and 6. So screens only on weekends. Or if that doesn't sound like that could work for your home, perhaps you try another creative way to limit screen time. So maybe family time only screen time. So maybe the TV only goes on when the whole family is there to enjoy whatever you're watching or doing, right? There's a big benefit to this strategy, and that is that it allows parents to monitor what their children are viewing to ensure it's appropriate, Perhaps you limit screen time to a specific time of day. You're preparing dinner, so the TV goes on for 30 minutes. 
And then Dr. Megan Owens, she is behind the site screen-free parenting. She recommends instead of allowing your kids to put the TV on every Saturday morning to watch Saturday morning cartoons, why not have them do chores instead? Why not have them do chores instead? Make them earn the television. I should say here too, another quick little Stephanie story is there was one Saturday morning where my husband and I wanted to sleep in. My eight-year-old Ani, she woke up, she said, can I watch cartoons? Can I watch TV? It was Saturday morning and we really wanted to sleep. So we said yes. She went downstairs, she watched TV, etc. Every subsequent Saturday morning, my eight-year-old asked to watch Saturday morning cartoons. I even think she woke up earlier with the expectation that we would say yes to Saturday morning cartoons because we did say yes that one time. It took a good six to seven Saturdays of us saying no before she got in, she got it in her head. She realized that the Saturday morning cartoon viewing that one time was a special event. She did it that one time, so she incorrectly assumed that it was now going to be an every Saturday event. And so that reminds me, when it comes to parenting, that if we're going to say yes to something, we've got to be really (laughs) sure that it is an enthusiastic and emphatic yes. Because yeah, sure, my husband and I did sleep in, and that was lovely, but We also then kind of paid the price for sleeping in by having to say six or seven subsequent Saturday mornings, no, you can't watch TV. So that's a long way of saying, at least in my home, if I give a little, they take an awful lot. Okay, so we're we're on to intermediate steps. We're finding creative ways to limit screen time. Maybe you're limiting it to weekends. Maybe you're having family-only screen time. Maybe instead of cartoons, they're doing chores. And then in addition to all of that, an intermediate step that I think is super important is to help kids realize when they turn to screens to cope with an emotion. This is so key, right? I know my daughters, especially my eight-year-old Ani, she asks for television when she's bored. TV for her is a boredom buster. But perhaps for some other children television or uh, a video game or social media scrolling is a form of connection. Perhaps they're reaching for the screen because they feel isolated and they want to connect. It's about understanding what's going on inside that's making us reach for the external screen. I think that's such an important lesson that we can help our kids learn. And then finally, we're moving on to the advanced step. So if you feel like you're ready for a challenge, an advanced step, this is for all of you. You will first be killing it with the beginner steps and the intermediate ones. And then on top of that, you're going to add to your efforts by doing two things. Number one is to create a family media plan. Now, that sounds really scary, but it's not scary. You can go to healthychildren.org and they've made one for you. You just plug in your information, you plug in your goals, and then you can print out a family media plan. I did one for my family. It took about, I don't know, two minutes, but create a family media plan, sit down, have a family meeting, talk about what's on the plan, get everybody on board and follow the plan. I love the idea of a family media plan because it really drills down the intentionality 
behind screen use in your home. I also love the fact that a media plan doesn't altogether eliminate screen time, right? It only sets up rules for when screen time will occur. That's another great point too here, because if everybody knows what's in the family media plan, there's going to be no surprises. I think a lot of times when it comes to uh, parenting troubles, what it comes down to is that the rules, the standards shift, right? We're not consistent as parents with the rules, with the standards. And so kids get confused. But if there's a family media plan and everybody knows what's in it and everybody sticks to it, the possibility of trouble down the line is much diminished. So family media plan, I've linked to the template in this week's show notes. And then finally, my final tip for those of us who are advanced, it's not me, but hopefully it's you, is to embrace the new phenomenon that is slow TV. So remember at the start of the show, we were talking about screen switches and the fact that fast-paced shows negatively impact our children's attention spans. Well, there's this new phenomenon. It originated in Norway, and it's called slow TV. It's a style of TV programming that focuses on one topic and it's filmed in real time. So whatever it is, is filmed as it happens. There's very minimal, if any, screen switches. The camera's locked in one spot and everything unfolds at a natural pace. There's no edits. There's no loud music. There's no presenters. There's no voiceover. It's just the sound of what's happening. I watched a little bit of slow TV in preparation for this episode. It was a train. It was like I'm sitting in the conductor seat of a train and I'm going down the tracks and I'm watching the landscape unfold before me. I found it enjoyable. I found it relaxing. And I'm not sure that older kids would be on board with this. I mean, if you're watching Avatar 2 one minute and then your parents say, no, no, no more Avatar 2, no more Avengers, you have to instead watch this train traveling down the Norwegian countryside. I'm not sure older kids would be on board, but I could see younger children really enjoying slow TV, really enjoying it. So preschool age, maybe even kindergarten age. I've also linked to Slow TV in the show notes if you're interested. The final word for today, I have two. The first is, of course, we as parents need to be good role models always, but especially when it comes to screens. So we need to definitely check how much screen time we're actually using. Are we really leaving the phone in the other room during dinner or are we checking it under the table? Let's be honest with ourselves. We also, as parents, as a collective whole, I would say, we need to stop thinking of screens as our helper, as our parent helper, as our best friend. And I say this to myself as well. I'm, ta- I'm talking to myself. Just the other day, it was Martin Luther King Day. My daughters were home and I needed to work. I had a podcast episode to get out on Tuesday. And the push that the inner push that I felt to turn the TV on to entertain my kids so that I could get my work done, it was real and it was powerful. But for me and for you, if you find yourself reverting to screens to make the task of parenting slightly easier, we 
as a whole, as a collective, we need to fight back against that urge. It's on us as parents to teach our kids to be able to behave in a restaurant without the use of a tablet. It's on us to provide our children the opportunity to learn how to entertain themselves during a long car ride without a screen. This is more work for us as parents in the short term, but it will likely pay dividends, I believe, I hope, in the future, because what's quick and easy now almost always isn't the right choice. Parenting is a lot of things. It certainly is not easy. Let's not treat screens as this amazing best friend to parents that makes the job easier because that's not what's happening here. I so hope you learned something during this episode. I hope you're not feeling stressed or overwhelmed. I hope I have armed you with some tangible steps for you to go into your home, wherever you're at with the screen time journey, and you know, tweak the way you're doing things just slightly. I will see you on Tuesday. So I have to set up next week. I'm super excited about next week. Next week is chocolate week on the podcast. And we're switching things up slightly next week. So on Tuesday, usually Tuesday is an interview. Next Tuesday is me talking into a microphone in a closet by myself. (laughs) And then the interview comes on Thursday. So chocolate week, we're discussing the massive issues associated with chocolate cultivation. We're talking about how to buy better chocolate. We're also then on Thursday talking about the presence of heavy metals in chocolates. Maybe you've seen that in the headlines lately. We're talking all about conscious consumption as it relates to chocolate. We'll see you then for all of that. Have an amazing weekend. Don't forget to rate and review this show, by the way, if you haven't already. Thank you so, so much. So much. See you Tuesday. Take care.